This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We need to refer Shalema and her name, who we're going to be learning tonight for and saying Tehillim tonight for Miriam Chaya, Las Bracha. We know that one of the jobs that Miriam did in Mitzrayim is they called her Pua. And the reason that Paro called her Pua was that she was one of the first, when a child was born, before the Mitzrayim could kill the child, she was the one who took care and took the child off the birthstone. And the reason they called her Pua was because she used to make the babies be quiet and not cry by saying Pua, Pua, Pua. From what I've heard so far of this young lady, Miriam Chaya, was that is what she was. I believe she is a, a early childhood teacher. She fits right into her name. She should have a refuah shalema, bezrat Hashem. Tomorrow night, she'll be sitting up in her bed talking. And if you believe it, it will happen. If you will make changes, it will happen, bezrat Hashem. There's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avot that says, Rabbi Chalafta ben Dose Ishkvachananya Omer. Asara Shiyashmi wa Iskim Torah. There are ten people learning together Torah. Shechina Shriya Benehem. The Shechina is amongst them. Umenayim Afilu Echad. What happens if you're learning Torah with one? Not ten. Shinema, it says, Bechalamaka Masha Askirish Shemi. Wherever you mention my name, God says, wherever you mention my name, Avo Alecha, I will come to you, and I will give you a bracha. Many people go to Mekubalim, they go all over the world to get a bracha. The missionary in Pekayavo says that you don't even have to go to anyone. If you learn Torah, even one, God comes to you and he'll bless you. So tonight, while we're learning Torah, you should ask Hashem to give this young woman Rafur Shalema, because he will definitely, HaKadosh Baruch will be in the room, because there's more than one, that's for sure. There's another mission in the same parak. Many times, girls come to me, or boys, and they say, how do I know if Hashem loves me? How do I know if Hashem's happy with me? There's a girl that always comes to me and says, Right, Wallace, you know, how do I know if Hashem is happy with me? So I quote a Mishnah. Mishnah Yud Gimel in Pekiyavos, Rab Chanina Bendosa. Hu Omer, Kosharuach Avrios, Narchehimenu. Any person that people like that person get Hana, get enjoyment from being with that person. Automatically, if you want to know if God loves someone, if people love that person, and people want to be with that person, then Ruchanan Mendoza says, then God wants to be with that person. And God loves that person. But someone who doesn't get along with anyone, even if they look like the most religious person in the world, but no one gets along with him, he gets along with no one, Hashem doesn't get along with him either. There's no question that the young girl tonight who's in the hospital, her name, everyone who has spoken to me about her, she was not just a regular person, but a person that continuously helped other people. There's no question she was very, very loved by her friends and her community. So we know from the mission of that 100%, if she's so loved by people, she's definitely very loved by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I don't know how many people in this room have ever been in a hospital. I have. What's the greatest moment when a person's in a hospital? When the doctor says that you, you can leave. But you can't leave until we disconnect you from intravenous and all the machines. You have to wait for the nurse to come to disconnect you. 
even if you're in the hospital for a good reason, you're in the hospital because you gave birth, but you're on this intravenous, you're connected to something that doesn't let you leave. But when they pull that needle out and they disconnect everything, it's like a puppeteer and all the strings are cut and now the puppet is on its own. You feel this simcha. I am no longer connected to any machines. I can leave. That moment when they disconnect you, it's the most amazing moment. Everyone in this room tonight has to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu that you're disconnected from any machines and any intravenous and you came here on your own and you're not connected to anything. You're out of a hospital. You're in the world. Maybe when someone is sick, when someone is connected to machines and someone's in a hospital, we can go inside ourselves and appreciate that we're able to walk into this room disconnected from all the machines and all the needles, free. We take it for granted. Tonight's a night where we have to introspect and appreciate that Baruch Hashem, we're able to be outside to feel the rain, to feel the cold, to feel the wind, to be not connected to chas a hospital bed or a hospital room. It's time to think about how lucky we are that we woke up this morning and we got out of bed and everything's working. When there's a young girl laying in a bed in a hospital, connected to everything. How much hakarat hatov, gratitude we have to have to Hashem, that we're not connected to anything as far as a hospital is concerned. Tonight, I was asked to speak specifically about Ben Adam Lechavero, about Achdus, about getting along with each other. There's no better time to speak about this than from Pashas Vayeshev to Pashas Vayechi, the Pashiot that we're in right now. There's no better person to teach us a lesson how to live with the people that wronged us, with the people that hurt us, How does one live with such people? How does one forgive? There's no greater person in the Torah than Yosef HaTzadik. Starting in Pashas by Yeshev, the Torah tells us what a fine, special boy. Yosef was 17 years old. Yaakov Avinu had four, two wives. And two maidservants. Leah and Rachel were his wives. And Bill and Zilpah, they're not considered our imahos. They were his maidservants. The brothers of the sons of Leah did not treat the children of Bila and Zilpah with equality. Yosef Hatzadik could not watch this. He always was a person who worried about the underdog. And here, the B'nai Zilpa and B'nai Bila were being made fun of by the six brothers. So Yosef went to their fa- his father, by Yavah Yosef, and he told his father that the four children of Bila and Zilpa were being subjugated, and it's not fair that they're with the way they're being treated. Bayiru Echav and the brothers. Now it seems to be all the way from the beginning that they did not consider, they did not accept Yosef as a brother. Bayiru Echav ki oso ohav as aviv. The brothers saw that he, separate, was loved by Yaakov Avino. Bayukano and they became very jealous of him. And Yaakov Avinu realized what was going on and he had to come up with a master plan. How am I going to get the brothers to get along with their brother Yosef? 
And he sends him on a mission. And the mission is to find your brothers and find out how they are doing. And find out how the sheep are doing. Go to your brothers. Do not tell them any more dreams. But tell them that you're there to see how they are. Maybe you'll become friends. Says the Pasuk, one of the most drastic psukim in the whole Torah. And a man found Yosef on the way. And he was lost in the field. And this Ish asked him, What do you want? Says Rashi that the Ish was the Malach, the angel Gabriel, Gabriel. The question is as follows. You don't find someone and then find out they're lost. Somebody gets lost and then you find them. But the Torah tells us, he found him and he was lost. It should have said he was lost and he found him. It's in the wrong order. And then when the Malach meets him, he doesn't say, where are you going? He says, Matavakesh. What do you want? The Malach knew where he was going. The Malach wanted to know, Yosef, your brothers don't like you. You're on your way to them. What, what do you want? It's like asking a child, what, what, bottom line, not where you're going, but what do you want? And Yosef answers, such an important answer because all of us, the most important thing to a human being is to be accepted. We all want acceptance. We do some very funny things in life just to be accepted. The word peer pressure, things that we do because our friends are doing it, comes from the need to be accepted. So sometimes we do things that are very wrong. But we know they're wrong. But they're worth it. Because we want to be accepted. Yosef tells the Malach, Do you want to know what I want? Do you know what I want, Malach? I want to be accepted. I want to be one of the brothers. I am totally excommunicated. They don't want to have anything to do with me. You want to know what I want? I just want to be accepted. And listen to what happens. And it happens so many times in our communities. People ask me why there's so many kids in the street, so many kids that are off. And the answer is, if the school doesn't accept him because he's not doing well, and the family doesn't accept him because he's not doing well, the street accepts everybody. So kids want to be accepted, and sometimes there's a crazy price to pay, but the street, they don't care who your father is, they don't care if you have money, they don't care what you look like, they don't care how you did in school, they don't care if you're wearing a yarmulke, you're not wearing a yarmulke, you're Shomer Shabbos, you're not Shomer Shabbos, you're wearing a black hat, you're not wearing a black hat. The street doesn't care about anything. They accept Everyone. That's why the gangs in California, in California are so huge. Because everyone just wants to be accepted. Said Yosef to the Malach, I just want to be accepted by my brothers. Okay? He's got a shot. He's going to give them. Going to tell them, my father wants to know how you're doing. I want to know how you're doing. It might work. This peace negotiation might work. But there was one major problem. A problem that all of us have to work on. They saw him from afar. They didn't let him get close to their heart. They looked at him from afar. And they saw what he used to be. Because when you look at someone from afar, when you look at the chitzoniot, and you don't really get to know the person, you judge them totally wrong. So they looked at him from afar. What did they say? Before he could even get close, they plan to kill him. When you judge another Jew from afar, you're killing him. 
you have to get close to the person. And when you get close to the person, you'll understand that what you see, and we'll hear a story about this tonight, what you see is not always what you get. So they never gave him a chance to tell them why he was there. They never gave him a chance to change. In the school that I used to be principal, assistant principal, we used to have this thing when I came there that the teacher would write a note on each kid for the next year's teacher to read so he would know what that kid is all about. The first thing I did was make sure that was totally outlawed. How dare you give the new teacher in the next year a picture of the child? Maybe during the summer, the kid totally changed. Maybe you weren't the teacher that the kid could get along with. If you're going to write that by your snot me so, you're killing him. How dare you write what this kid is all about? Maybe that Rebbe, he's going to love, and he's going to be a superstar. They're called anecdotal notes. Absolutely assert in my school to ever, for any teacher ever to tell another teacher what he's getting next year. How many kids change in the summer? When you get to know somebody, you find out you, most of the time that your first step, your first vision, when you looked at them from afar, she looks different, she dresses different, he looks different, he doesn't look like me, he doesn't dress like me, he doesn't look like the community. You make this judgment on them. When you make that judgment, says the Torah, by your snackle on me, so you're killing him. You're not allowed to look at another Jew. The Torah tells us they never let him get close. He never told him. Never told them why he was coming. So what did they think? Who is this Yosef? What's his history? He comes and he tells us dreams about us bowing down to him. So they say that. And they say the following. That all the brothers got together and they said, <laughs> the dreamer's coming. He's got another dream. He's going to tell us how we're going to bow down to him. Let's go kill him. Let's throw him into a bar. Then we'll see what happened to his dreams. It was so off. He wasn't coming to tell them dreams. He was coming to make peace. But you never gave him a chance. You looked at another Jew from afar, and his history was that every time he came to his brothers, he had another dream. So you based this time on his history. That's looking at someone from afar. That's not giving the person a chance to say why they're really there. We are still suffering to this day from the selling of Yosef, from the looking at a Jew from afar. But it's not Hamiso. We're paying for it in every door. It's brought down in Kabbalah that every single door, ten tzaddikim die. Every door that are not supposed to die because of Mechiras Yosef. Every generation, we lose ten tzaddikim that are not supposed to die because they looked at him from afar. Had he given them the message, I'm here to make peace, they wouldn't have sold him. There would have been no selling of Yosef. There would be no Asare Ruge Malchus. That we say on Tisha B'Av and Rosh Hashanah. You're not allowed to look at another girl or a boy. You're not allowed to, to judge another boy from afar. Let them get close to them. Let them tell you who they are and what they're about. Or uh, God forbid, you're going to react in a way you totally are going to be wrong. They were totally wrong. He was coming to make peace. And what happens as we go on, when they come down to Mitzrayim, spoke about it this week. So it says the following in Pasha's Miketz. Vayaki Reim. Yosef recognized every single brother. He knew their age. He sat them at the table in their age. The brothers didn't understand how he knew that. He knew his brothers very well. And in the next Pasuk, the Torah screams. And the Torah says, Vayake Yosef as Echav. He recognized his brothers. But they did not recognize him. 
how could they not recognize him? In all the Mepharshim, the Chidah, everybody writes that Yaakov Avinu and Yosef HaTzadik look exactly alike. So when he was 17, he didn't look like his father. His father had a long beard and he was clean shaven. He was only 17. But now it's 21 years later, so he's also got a long beard. So when they came, they were looking at their father. Says the Torah, Bayaki Rain, he recognized them, the Hey and they didn't recognize him? How is it possible? They're looking at their father's face, their mamish looking at Yaakov. How could they not say, Yosef, Shalom Aleichem? And the answer is very sad. The answer is very sad because it happens so many times. So the Medrash says that when the brothers came down to Mitzrayim to get food, they knew that they sold their brother to Mitzrayim. So where do you think he is? He was very beautiful. The only man in the Torah that calls him Yafas Mara Yafas Tayar. He was not normally beautiful. So they said to themselves, if he's so beautiful, and he's in Mitzrayim, the worst, lowest moral place in the world, he must be in the Rechov of Znos. In the Rechov of Zonos. So the brothers went to the streets of Mitzrayim, where the Zonos were, looking for their little brother Yosef. If that's what you think he is, then when he is sitting as second in command, even if you're looking at his face, he will not recognize him. If your perception of a person is so low, if that's your perception, and that person is sitting in a high place, you can look right at them, the Hebrew Rubu. They looked at their brother. It was the chance to make peace. It was the chance to end it. They had no idea that they were looking at their brother. Because in their perception, he could not be that man. I will tell you a story of a girl in my high school. She was thrown out in 10th grade of a school here in Flatbush. She did something wrong, and they threw her out. And she was on the street for two years. And we found her. And we put her in BCA in our high school. And Baruch Hashem with Nisim and the Floyds. She finished high school. She turned around. She became religious. She became a superstar. And she met a boy. And she married a superstar. And she had a little baby. And she's in Glotmart on Avenue M. On a Thursday night. And the man, the principal, who threw her out of his school is there. She has no hard feelings towards him. She said, always told me I was a crazy kid. He had, he had a right to throw me out. But she was so proud. She's wearing her shaitel. She's dressed sniyut. She's got her baby. The 10th grader he threw out made it. We can't even understand this in this room. She walks up to this man. She is so proud of who she is. She says, Rabbi, do you recognize me? And he looks at her and he says, she's wearing a shaitel. She looks a little different than 10th grade. He says, did you go to my school? She said, well, halfway. I made it to 10th grade. He goes, really? What's your name? I'll make up a name. I don't want to give her name. My name? Michelle Greenberg. You are not Michelle Greenberg. She goes, Rabbi, I know who I am. You're Michelle's oldest sister, Malka, right? She goes, no, I'm Michelle. He goes, that's impossible. She's standing there so proud of what she did and this man is saying nah, you're lying 
You cannot be that girl. She called me up and she said, All the work I did was for that moment. And that rabbi couldn't recognize all the work I did. He said, I'm my sister. He said, It's impossible. He said, listen to me, Michelle. If he admits that you're the girl he threw out, he's admitting that he didn't see your potential. He's admitting that he made a huge mistake. He's not ready to do that. We have these pictures in our heads of people and we don't let that change. People change. People grow. Let it go. Let your hatred go. Let your judgments go. Let it go. So maybe you were wrong. And maybe she's a lot better than you thought. Great. Be excited for her. I made a mistake. You are much better than I thought. Fantastic. It's about you, not me. That's the biggest problem in relationships. It's always about me. What I thought of you. What I put into you. It's not about me. His brothers looked at his face. He looked exactly like Yaakov. And they couldn't come to say, You're safe. Is that you? No. They went searching for him in a base Zoynais. Impossible. Maybe it's your brother. Can't be you. So, we go on. And we come to this week's Pasha. And Yosef reveals who he is. I want to tell you, you know, and everyone thinks like Rabbi Wallstein, I'm not Yosef. My name's Leah, Miriam, my name's Chaim, Moshe. I'm not Yosef. You're talking about this guy that's like Superman. We're not, these are not humans. The Torah doesn't have any humans in them. Leah and Rachel and all of them are not human. Well, then they wouldn't be in the Torah because Hashem, the Torah is for us. And if they were angels, we wouldn't be learning it. Yosef struggled. He struggled the last second with a beautiful woman. Hashem saved him the last second. He struggled. He wasn't a malach. It was a human struggle that he won. So he's a human being, Yosef. He wants to be accepted. He wasn't a malach. I told you this to my boys, men. You have to listen to this. This is not normal. So he's about to reveal. I don't know if any of you have ever gone through. I went through this a little bit where Rebbe once told me what he thinks I'm going to grow up to be. And it wasn't very flattering. Not at all, right? So I was once told that. So it's in you, and you want to prove that ha, 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 you think that's what I'm going to be? I'm going to show you what I'm going to be. And you have this inside, and it grows. Girls, boys, it doesn't make a difference. It grows inside, and it grows. And the moment that you're waiting for is to reveal who you are. By the way, you remember you kicked me out? Well, I'm the Rosh Hashiva, I'm the Yeshiva today. I'm not giving you an example. He's not the Yeshiva. But I, I have a school, I have a Yeshiva, I have a high school, I have this, I have that. So what do you think, Rabbi? I made it? I did it? It's like, ah, really? It's you? Wow. You feel good. It's in you. 21 years! They sold him to Mitzrayim. They're looking for him in the streets of Zionites. And now he's going to tell them, yeah, that's what you think I am? Ani Yosef! You're all wrong. My dreams were true. What you did was wrong. Totally wrong. Look who I am. I saved the world. Thank you. I saved the world. My camels are outside. (laughs) I saved the world. You thought that I'd be a nothing? I saved the world from starving. I am feeding you and the whole family. I need Yosef. That moment is so big. The greatest revenge is success. And this is what the Pusik says. I can't get past this. 
Pasuk says, Yosef sent all the Mitzrayim out of the room. I am not going to embarrass my brothers who didn't accept me as a brother. I am not going to embarrass it. Says the Svarim, the Chidot brings down this also, many of them are Farshim, that he knew that Yehuda, right, and the brothers, the minute the Egyptians leave and Ephraim and Manasseh leave, they're going to kill him. Because they want him out. By Yigashel of Yehuda. They're going to kill him. Not only that, there's Mephoshim that brings down that when he, when he tells them that he's Yosef, they're going to be scared that he's going to kill them. They're going to kill him. So Yosef at Sadiq, because he didn't want to embarrass the brothers that didn't accept him. The brothers that tried to kill him. They put him in a bar without any clothing. Then they sold him to Mitzrayim. Then he had to have the problem with Potiphar's wife. Then he ends up in jail. He has a life of Gehenna. But my brothers, you're going to be embarrassed? I'd rather die than embarrass them. But Joseph, if you die, they will never ever know that you were Yosef. Because the minute that last guy walks out of the room, Yehuda is going to break your neck. You are never going to get a chance to reveal who you are. That moment that for 21 years you wanted to prove to your brothers that you made it. You will never have that moment. Because he's going to kill you on the spot. Yosef said, if he does, he does. I will not embarrass my brothers. If I die without ever revealing who I became, so be it. Do you understand? Does anyone here understand that? Do you even, can you fathom? Can you fathom 21 years and you finally made it to the top and you're willing to die before you even tell them they will never know that you made it to the top? They will never know who you are. Why? Because so, some Egyptians are going to watch your brothers get embarrassed? Who cares what they did to me? You want all the perfect Pasha to learn tonight how to change your life? It's Vayigash. He put his life in danger so his brothers who did this to him would not be embarrassed. Now they're all out of the room. And he says, I need Yosef. I'm the guy. Like the girl in Glotmart. I made it. Howard Avichai, is my father alive? Not Ho'ed Avinu, not is our father alive? Is my father alive? You see, we got a situation here. Yaakov's my father. But you guys didn't accept me as your brother. So if he's my father and you're not my brother, then he can't be your, then he can't be your father. If Yaakov is my father and you guys are not my brothers, then Yaakov can't be my father. He doesn't seem to be your father because you guys have never accepted me. So he gave them crazy musr without saying a negative word. Didn't say a negative word. His love, the way he behaved, if you want to understand, I, I was telling someone the other day, I'm like, no good deed goes unpunished. It's a famous saying. It's a good saying, it's a funny saying. I'm like, no! He got into trouble in the beginning of Ayeshev because he protected Billah and Zilpah's children. Were they on the se- were they in on the selling of Yosef? Did they get up and say, "Well, this kid's really been there for me his whole life"? I mean, he took a big fall, so you know what? We're not going to let you sell him. No, no good deed goes unpunished. They all sold him, even though. Hello, I'm the guy got in trouble. I ratted on the brothers and got in trouble for you guys because they were abusing you. And you're throwing me in the pit? And you're selling me? No good deed goes unpunished. It's very old. It's not something new. Now all these brothers are there. So what does he do? Not only he doesn't embarrass them, but he says to them the following. He says, Vayome Yosef el Echav, Come, come close to me. He says, and don't worry. Don't start fighting with each other because he knew they're going to blame Yehuda. Yehuda's going to blame Reuven. Ah. Once he's, I need Yosef. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. I wanted to stop it. You don't, he said, uh, don't, don't, don't get angry at each other. 
Guys, you stick together. You're always together. You stick together. But, he says, I want you to know. Kimakatam Osi, you're going to fight because you sold me? Don't worry about it. You didn't sell me. Hashem set the whole thing up so that I would come down to Mitzrayim and be able to support you and the world. Not only didn't he embarrass them, but he fa'emfered. I don't want to say that in Hebrew. He answered for them. And he said, no, no, no. You guys, don't, don't, get, don't get uptight about selling me. You think you sold me? Nah! It wasn't your idea. It was Hashem's idea. So you would think at this point, everyone, that they should like give him a hug and a kiss? No? Do you think this guy deserves a hug and a kiss? He didn't embarrass them. He put his wife on the line. He's telling them, don't worry about it. Should be a, you know, a good movie. Hug and kiss. And peace. Nope. No hug, no kiss. But Yosef went and fell on the neck of, of his brother Binyamin. And he cried. They both cried together. And he went to every one of his brothers and he kissed them. They didn't come to him. After this whole thing, they didn't come to him. I'm sorry. We love you. No. Yosef went to them. Marvil Almi Daisov. That's what we're here to learn tonight. Marvil Almi Daisov. At this point, it's like, guys, how about a hug? I mean, after everything you did to me? No. No hug. He kissed every brother. And he cried on every brother's shoulder. Ba'achrei came, finally, finally, the Torah tells us, Dibru Echav Ito. His brothers started to talk to him. They weren't talking in the beginning of Ayeshev. They, they hated him so much, they couldn't talk to him. Now all the way in Pasha Vayigash, finally, Ba'achrei Dibru Echav Ito, he became one of the brothers. Listen to this. Ba'akol Nishma Beis Parolema, now Paro heard, the Goyim heard, because the Goyim know when we don't get along. The Goyim know when we don't get along. But they heard now that they, they all hugged each other and kissed each other. He knew the story, Paro, right? And, they all, and the Jews are at peace. Listen to how important it is to be at peace, to have achtus. Yosef, the brothers, the brothers of Yosef, for the first time, they were all considered brothers. So the guy said, Wow. What a good thing when Jews get together. This is Tyra. This is not stories, psychology. This is psukim. When the guy realized that now the brothers got together and they loved each other and they talked to each other, it made them happy to see that the Jews have achtas and the Jews are together. It made Paro happy. And in the end, in Pashas Vayichi, and then I'll tell you two short stories and how to change our midos. In the end of Pashas Vayichi, all the way at the end, Yaakov dies. And they're very scared. Yosef's not going to forget. He was good to us till now because Yaakov was alive. But now Yaakov died. We have no one to protect us. So Yosef says to him, they say to Yosef first, the brothers bowed down in front of him. Please don't kill us. Please don't take revenge. We'll be your servant. Don't worry. What do you think? I'm God? I'm not God. Am I instead of God? You thought you were doing something bad. But God had makshavas for good in order that I should save the world. He comforted them. Oh my gosh. They abused him, did not accept him, sold him to Mitzrayim, and in the end of Pashas Vayichi, after everything, Yosef says to them, you need to be comforted, you guys. Let me comfort you. Let them comfort him. They hurt him. No, his midah, who Yosef was, was, no guys, you're scared I'm going to take revenge. How do, you, how do you comfort someone? He spoke to their hearts. And because he had those midos, 
when they came to the Yamsuf and the Yamsuf did not want to split. Ma Ra Hayam, what did they see? What did the what did the Malach see? He saw Atmos Yosef, Arono Shal Osef. What does what does that mean? Why did he split? Because Yosef broke Teva. It's not normal. After what he went through to be ready to put his life on the line, not to embarrass his brothers, to, to blame everything on Hashem so they don't feel guilty, to comfort them, to be the one that kisses, the one that hurt him, the one that abuses him, to go and kiss him and, and be menachem him, it's not normal. So when it's saw that a human being could come to a point where you could break your teva, your nature, the Yamsa was forced to break his nature. I want to tell you two stories and we'll end with this on how to break your nature. The first story is written in Elena Lishabayach. It's called The Mumbling Boy. It's an amazing story. So there's this little boy, true story. There's this little boy, and in school, he starts to talk to himself. He starts to mumble under his breath. So his rabbi, his rabbi, his rabbi, calls the parents and says, Listen, I don't know what's going on. But for the last month, there must be something going on at home. Your son, especially by recess, and he's not a good ball player, he's muttering stuff under his breath. I don't know if he's cursing someone. I don't know what he's saying. I can't hear it. But there's something very wrong. I think he needs therapy. And the parents are like, Rabbi, I can't believe it. It's happening at home also. For the last month, he walks around in the kitchen sometimes, or in the hall, and he's talking under his breath. And we thought, eh, it's, you know, it's a bad mannerism, it'll stop. But now that he's doing it in school, this is something very serious. Okay? We'll take him to therapy. So he takes him, they take him to the best therapist. And he sits down in front of the therapist, who's was a woman, and she says, Chaim, I hear that sometimes you like to talk to yourself. He goes, yeah. What are you saying? I'm not allowed to tell you. I'm not allowed to tell you. Why aren't you allowed to tell me? You're not supposed to say things. She goes, I know, but you see, mumbling to yourself can be very annoying to other people, especially in school. So maybe if you tell me what you're saying, you'll be able to actually come to me and say it out loud instead of saying it to yourself. I don't know if I should tell you, but if you want me to tell you, I'll tell you. So he says, my Rebbe told a story a month ago. And he told a story about a couple who had no children for 15 years. And they came to Rav Chaim Kainesky, the Golohadar in Bnei Brak. And of course the woman, he doesn't see women, he sees men. And the wife told the husband, I don't want a bracha. Because it hasn't been working. I want a haftacha. I want a promise from Rav Chaim that we're going to have a child this year. So she sent him in on this mission. And he goes to Rav Chaim and he puts down her name and his name and he looks at it and he says, I give you a bracha, Bezrat Hashem, that you should have a child. He says, Rebbe, Rosh Hashiva, whatever, Gadol, you've given me this bracha for the last eight years. Not to be, I don't want to be a wise guy, but my wife sent me with a shlichus. I cannot leave here until I get a haftacha. That's going to happen. He says, oh, he says, I remember Rav Chaim. He says, there's a problem with your wife. There's a problem having children. The doctor, whatever, whatever you need to have children is not there. So you want me to do a nace? He says, I don't do nisim. I don't do nisim. I can't give you a havtacha. And you say, I can't give you a havtacha on a miracle. But I'll tell you this. Find a person who was embarrassed in public and didn't say a word and get a bracha from a haftacha from that person, and you'll see miracles. His wife did not go for that. He comes out, and she's like, you got the haftacha? He's like, no, but he said, if we find a person that got embarrassed, and both, he goes, go back in there, and get a haftacha. Of course he did, he couldn't get a haftacha. And she was very upset that he didn't get a haftacha. She sent him on a mission, and it wasn't accomplished. And she's like, this is not good, we're not going to have children. Okay, what could he do? He, Rav Chaim is Rav Chaim. You can't, you can't change his mind. Two or three months later, she's at a wedding in Bnei Brak. It was from a divorced couple's daughter. And the woman, for whatever she did, whatever it is, 
she sort of was excommunicated, and she wasn't invited. The mother of the bride was not invited to the wedding. She decided she's coming anyway. So she comes to the wedding while they're dancing, and she walks in, and the mother-in-law, the ex-mother-in-law, sees her, and she says, We're sort of counter by counter. What are you doing here? You ruined my son's life. You ruined my grandchildren's life. Get out of here. She's screaming in front of everyone. The music starts. Everyone, this poor woman standing there. Her daughter's like ready to maybe dance with her in front of the whole wedding, in front of all the women. And she's like, could I just have one dance? One dance. I'm calling a mishtara. Get out of here. And everyone's like, and she turns around, this poor ex, you know, she, and she starts to run out of the, this, this woman standing there, she's like, wow, I never saw somebody, oh my gosh, she didn't answer. And she starts running after her. And she realizes, I could get a bracha. Nebuch, the woman that was thrown out of the wedding, she thinks this woman who's running after her, right, is some of the wedding, some woman from the wedding that's gonna beat her up for coming to the wedding. So she starts running faster. You can imagine the scene of B'nai Brak. She's running, and other ones are running after her. Finally, she catches up and goes, no, 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 no. No, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm a guest. She said, what do you want? Why are you running after me? She goes, listen to me, I don't have children for 15, 15 years. I'm asking you a favor. Give me a bracha that I should have a child this year. She goes, me? I'm not even accepted by my family? My bracha is worthless. She goes, no, 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 Rav Chaim said, I have never seen someone be embarrassed the way you were just embarrassed. I never saw that in my life. And you didn't say one word to your mother-in-law, your ex-mother-in-law? You are the one. Give me a bracha. I'm begging you, give me a bracha. She goes, listen, my bracha is worthless, but if you want a bracha, next year at this time, you should have a baby boy, and don't forget to invite me. The Kachoya. It's written in, in the Sefer, Lenon Shabeach. Rav Chaim's brother-in-law wrote it. So it's not a book of jokes or, or stories. So she gave birth and the husband went back to Rav Chaim and said, you remember what you told me? And again, yeah, we want Rav Chaim to be the Sandik. Rav Chaim was a Sandik by the Bris and they invited that woman. So the therapist says to this little boy, wow, what a story. What does this have to do with you? Listen, ladies and men, what you can do in this world. This little innocent, I think he was a fifth grader. Okay, little teeny guy. He says to the lady, well, you don't understand. My Rebbe, every morning after we finish davening, he reads ten names of sick people that we should say Sher Hamalos, we say Sher Hamalos for. And I thought, after I heard that story, that every time a boy says you're no good or he embarrasses me when I'm playing ball or he calls me stupid and he calls me other names instead of saying anything back I'm going to mumble those ten names under my breath so I memorized every one of those names wow because if you get embarrassed in public and you don't answer back you have the power to do miracles we need a miracle for this young girl. We need to force Hashem's hand. And even where Rav Chaim Kainesky Agadol cannot give a haftacha, his haftacha is that a person who's embarrassed, who doesn't answer, has the power to do anything. Because you break Nature, it's the nature of a human being. If you embarrass me in public and I don't answer, that means to everyone who is listening that it's true what you're saying because I didn't answer. It's very, very hard. Now, what does that mean? That we should go into the hole, everyone should embarrass each other, and nobody should answer, and then we're going to able to do whatever we want. No, that's not what it means. I'll tell you what it means. It means that everyone in this room, including Rabbi Wallerstein, including all the men, there's always someone in our life that hurt us. Maybe when we were teenagers, maybe a teacher, maybe a friend, maybe a mother-in-law, maybe a parent, maybe a child. You just didn't let go of it. It's just there in your heart. Maybe tonight when we walk out of here, if we break ourselves and we pick up the phone and we're like, I haven't spoken to you in 10 years because of what you did to me. I'm Michael. Not only am I Michael, but like Yosef Atzadi. You didn't do anything to me. If Hashem didn't sign off on it, you could have never hurt me. So it's not you. You were just a shliach. It's what Hashem wanted. You can break your nature, the person who hurt you. 
You could be a Yosef and say, you didn't hurt me. It was meant to be, and I'm letting it go. You can break your nature, whether it's a mother-in-law or a mother or a daughter or a daughter-in-law. Someone that hurts you, that really hurts you. Surely someone who didn't really hurt you that you're not talking to. And you're able to break it? Miriam will be sitting up in her bed tomorrow night talking. Haftacha. But you got to do it. And you got to do it now. When you leave this room, you can't wait. You got to pick up that phone and you got to ask Mechila from someone or give Mechila to someone. As hard as it is, as much pain, an ex husband, oh my gosh. Oh my God, how can you call an ex-husband when he put you through court, this, that, and the other thing? He killed you. Killed you. And you get up and say, listen, you think you divorced me? You divorced me, but nothing happens without Hashem. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. I'm not holding it in my heart anymore. It's over. She won't be getting up in her bed. She'll be dancing on her bed tomorrow night. Bezrat Hashem. We all have that kayak. This little boy, a little boy, memorized the names so that he got embarrassed. You stink, you can't play ball, we don't want you on the team. Chaim ben Miriam, Moshe ben Chana. Could you imagine such a thing? Can anyone in this room imagine such a thing? He's being embarrassed in school and he's saying names under his breath. Gabriel ben Sarah. And people are thinking, the kid's mumbling, he's crazy, he needs a psychiatrist. We all need a psychiatrist. He doesn't. Last story. Probably the biggest story I ever heard. In Chesed. And it's a true story. And whoever listens to my classes probably know it. But this story makes the mumbling story look like... So this is a true story. It's written in a book. And the stories in this book are checked ten times over to make sure that every word in the story is true. So there's a nursing home. And in this nursing home... There are two men in every single room. It's all men nursing home. There's two men in every room, except one room. One room, there's a Mr. Lefkowitz. Mr. Lefkowitz is a very rich man. He don't want any people in his room. He paid for the other bed. He has the room himself. One day, Mr. Lefkowitz gets a call from the owner. He says, Mr. Lefkowitz, I need a favor. We have a new guy, Mr. Friedman, coming in. In 30 days... He'll have a bed in a different room, but we can't take him in unless we have a bed. Right now we have no beds. Could you let him stay in your room for the next 30 days? I promise you he's out after that. Lefkowitz was a very nice man. He was an artist. He was a beautiful, he was an amazing artist who never lost his feet to diabetes, so he was in a wheelchair. He was an amazing artist, and he was a very big mensch. So he says, 30 days. After that, I need my privacy, 100%. So they wheel in this guy, Mr. Friedman. And they put Friedman into the bed. And Lefkowitz wants to meet his new chavrusa. And he goes, he rolls over to the bed. He goes, hmm, Friedman, welcome to my palace. Friedman is the most miserable, angry old man you ever met. And he's like, palace? Get me out of here. I don't want to be here. Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. Lefkowitz is like, hold on, hold on. This is not the deal. I'm supposed to get a nice guy. I'm not going to stay in this room with this grumpy old man. Yeah, you don't want to stay with me? I don't want to be here either. My kids put me in a nursing home. And he's screaming and he's cursing and he's yelling. Lefkowitz is like, I'm not putting up with this. He goes up to the phone. He picks it up. I want to talk to the owner. Listen, get him out of my room. I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm a happy guy. I can't live with this. This is such negative energy. They're like, okay, we're going to calm him down, whatever. It's just Okay, tomorrow morning we'll move him, but we, tonight he's got to stay. But we can't move. We don't have the people to move him. Okay, no problem. Lefkowitz is like, man, I never saw a guy like this. This guy is mean. He's mean. So he rolls over again to Friedman. He's going to annoy him a little. He says, Friedman, you're here till tomorrow morning. After that, you're out of here. Let's be friends for a night. He says, Get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. He says, you're so happy. Life is so good. No, life's not so good. I'm in a wheelchair. 
not so good. He goes, yeah, well, you're in a better place than I am. He says, really? What's your problem? He says, yeah, come close. Look at my face. You're not exactly the best looking guy I ever saw, but it's not that bad. I've seen worse. And he goes, no, no, look at my eyes. He says, you have nice green eyes. I don't know, what is your problem? You fool, Lefkowitz. I'm blind. Lefkowitz says, oh, I am so sorry. Nobody told me that you were blind. Yeah, that's right. I live in darkness. Oh, you see your children and your grandchildren. I live in darkness for the last 10 years. I just see black. Now, Mr. Happy-go-lucky Lefkowitz, go back to your room, to your side of the room. He's like, I am so, Mr. Freeman, they didn't tell, I would have never, I, I, he's like so apologetic. And he goes back to his room. He's like, oh my gosh, they put a blind man in my room. And they didn't tell me. I can't believe they didn't tell me. And I'm yelling at him, giving him a whole schmooze. And oh my gosh, I, at least I could see. He can't even see. I got to do something for him. Gets back in his wheelchair, rolls to the other side. Friedman, what? Listen to me. You're only here for another day. Let me be your eyes. I'm an artist. I'm going to go to the window, and I'm going to t- describe for you everything that's going on outside. Being that you, you went blind 10 years ago means that you used to see. So when I describe it, you'll see it in your head. He says, you're a mishuga. You're a mishugana. Of course, you're a mishugana. Because I know I'm a mishugana. You let me do it for a half hour tomorrow morning. I will not come to your side of the room anymore. I will not bother you. I will not. You're free. He goes, you promise? I promise. Next morning, 5.25 in the morning. Brain man, get up! What? I just went to sleep. Get up, 5.25, sunrise. Now let's see what's going on. Oh, cumulus clouds. It's pink, it's red. Across the street. There's a merry-go-round, there's this, there's that. He's telling him everything for half an hour. Half an hour's up. He says, okay, half an hour's up. How'd you like it? Friedman goes, you're a mishugana. Don't talk to me anymore. Three hours later, Lefkowitz, I got to tell you something. You're not such a mishugana. For that half hour, in my head, I actually saw everything you described. It was pretty amazing. I haven't been able to do that for 10 years. You know what? Let's try it again tomorrow. This is a true story. And the next day, they did it again. And then it was one hour. And then it was two hours. And these two became the best friends in that nursing home. One could walk. One couldn't. One could see. The other one couldn't see. It was a perfect combination. Perfect combination. They were mamish best friends. And all day he would sit there. The little dipper. The big dipper. The sun is going down. The poodle. The dog. The, the B-13. The bus. The lady with the poodle. The lady with the... Holiday, fire engines, Hatsala. It was unbelievable. The two of them were having the time of their life. And after a year of this going on, they were inseparable. They were both in that room. There was no way that Lefkowitz let Friedman out of the room. Friedman called Lefkowitz over to his bed. He said, Mr. Lefkowitz, I have to tell you something. He called him actually in the book. He called him Lefko. He said, Lefko, I got to tell you something. I see more now, blind, than I saw when I could see. I never ever saw a little dipper, a big dipper, the stars. I never paid attention to kids or buses or colors or fire hydrants or bicycles. He said, I went through my life and I didn't pay attention to anything. You have brought more to me, to my blind eyes. I am able to see more than I used to be able to see. I love you, man. You are so special. And left us like, oh, come on, Friedman. I'm not so good. You're trying to make me feel good. And he wheels to the side of his bed and he begins to cry. That he meant so much to this Friedman. A month later, Friedman wakes up in the morning and there's something very wrong. He realizes, he's blind, that it's very late. Let's go! What's up? What's going on? Why, why don't you wake me up? Nothing. You in the bathroom? Take a shower? Nothing. Starts pulling the string for the nurse. The nurse comes running in. What's going on? What's going on, Mr. Friedman? What's going on? Where's Lefko? Oh, Mr. Friedman was so sorry. Last night he wasn't feeling well. We took him to the hospital. He had a massive heart attack and he passed away. The funeral will be today at 12 o'clock. You want to go and speak? No, 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 no. One second. What are you saying? 
Mr. Lefkowitz passed on. He's no longer here. What? My eyes again? They took away my eyes again? I can't believe this. She goes, what are you talking about, your eyes? You have your eyes. She goes, no, you don't understand. What time is it, nurse? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Exactly eight o'clock? Eight on the minute. Run to the window at eight o'clock. There's a B-23 and there's a lady. You're going to see. You're going to start laughing, nurse, because you never saw this. It's in the middle of July. It's 100 degrees out there. She comes with a heavy yellow coat and a white poodle. She looks ridiculous. Please go tell me. Does she look ridiculous today? Nurse says, Mr. Friedman, what do you want me to do? Go to Lefkowitz's window. You're going to miss it. 801, she's on that bus. It's going to leave. She goes, Mr. Friedman, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no window in this room. We are connected to another building. He goes, liar! Trying to make fun of a blind man? What do you mean there's no window? It's impossible. Every day, 10 hours a day, he sat at the window. And he gets up, he's blind, and he falls over his bed, and he comes to left with his bed, and he starts to feel the wall, and he's like, window, window, there has to be a window, it's impossible. And he feels the whole wall up and down, concrete. He's like, I need to go to that funeral. I need to speak. And he gets up at the funeral, and he says, there are human beings in this world that are kind. They're willing to sit at a window and for a blind man for 10 to 12 hours a day describe the world around them. But there's only one angel and that angel was Mr. Lefkowitz. You see, he didn't sit at a window. He sat at a wall and he made that wall into a window for me. That's not a human being. That's an angel. Many of us, we're willing to sit at a window when life is okay. And we want to do chesed, the organization tonight. They just told me about it, I never heard of it. The moms, moms are doing chesed. And that's big tzitkaniyas, don't get me wrong. But who's an angel? When you got your own stuff. When you're going through your own trauma. And your own problems. And you got your own wall. And you're sitting at your own wall. And you're describing it. You're turning it into a window for your friend who's going through stuff. You're going through stuff. I don't have time to, to do this for you. But no, I'm taking your wall and I'm turning it into a window even though I'm sitting at that wall. That's an angel. That was Lefkowitz. It's a true story. It's in Chicken Soup for the Soul. In Alabama, in Arkansas it happened. And they checked the story out. Ten times. It's a true story that a human being was willing to do this for another human being. Do you understand the power of a person that we could take a wall if we care enough and make it into a window? That's what we're all here to do tonight. We're all here to take each other's walls and a young lady in a hospital and take on that wall and tear it down and turn it into a window. We have that strength. There was a human being in this world that did it. So it's in this world. It's not impossible. It's still not Yosef HaTzadik, but it's pretty close. That's what we need to do. I know people have stuff. I know we all have stuff. It's like, well, I got my own stuff. How can I help someone else? You could help someone else like Lefkowitz. And by the way, he sat at a window, but by describing in his head what he was describing to Friedman, he himself created a window for himself. So if you think you're doing the other person the favor, actually, the window you're creating for yourself, and then through that window that you created for yourself, you're turning it into a window for your friend. So my bracha to everyone here is that we have a wall in Eretz Yisrael called the Kosal Maravi. It has no windows. It has cracks and weeds and a lot of pieces of paper and a lot of prayers. And Shlomo HaMelech said there'll be a time when God will look at us from the window and there'll be a time when God will look at us through the cracks. What's the difference? When mommy waves to the little boy going on the bus from the window, the little boy turns around and sees mommy waving and waves back. Not in our generation. Shlomo HaMelech said there'll come a time 
when there will be no windows, there will be no Beis HaMikdash. And God will look at us through the cracks, the cracks of the Kosal. But we won't see Him. He's just going to see us. That's the difference between a crack and a window. The person looking out of the crack sees that person. The person looking back just sees a wall. So maybe tonight, in the schus of Miriam Chaya, Basbracha, we're going to leave here and we're going to take someone's wall and we're going to put a window in it for them. And if Hashem sees that the Jewish nation, as Paro saw, that we're all one and that the brothers got along and the sisters get along, surely Paro, who was a guy, who didn't like us, it said it made him and the Mitzrim happy, how happy it will make HaKadosh Baruch Hu to see his children get along. And maybe that way, because we are putting windows where there are walls for others, God will put the window back in the wall with the building of the Beit HaMikdash. When you leave this place, rock the heavens, call somebody and be Michael them. Call somebody and tell them how much you love them. Something that you may not hard for you to do, do it. Break your nature. And then we can break nature. And the bracha that Miriam Chaya Bas Bracha will be sitting up on her bed in Mitzvah tomorrow night. We'll come to you. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.